the eccentric Phil Thomas Cat here. Welcome to the podcast. Tonight's episode will be real crisp and very, very intense. Backcat, come have a blast. Step on the gas. Smack a giraffe is the Backcats. Come talk fast. Fast some gas. Make it last. It's the Backcast, Backcast. Backcast, hey man, it's badass. Backcast, Hello and welcome to the PatCast. It's Monday, March 7th, 2011. I'm Patrick, broadcasting from the Goulash Studios in New York City with my good friend Brooks T. Lockwood. Say hello, Brooks. Hello. And uh, this is our 54th episode, and for one night only, uh, we're turning the PatCast into the CatCast. The eccentric Phil Thomas Cat is joining us today. How are you, Phil? I am doing wonderful, and gentlemen, I am truly honored by this CatCast thing. Oh, we are the ones that are actually honored. It's it, we're so glad to have you here on our show, and uh, it's truly an honor to have the Godfather of Chillwave here. Uh, how did you get that name? Well, you know that's a good question, and it figures you would ask that one first. But um, I really don't know where that came from. It just started appearing on blogs. I was I was doing music back in the '80s, and um, no one really knew what it was, what the genre of it really was. You know, you couldn't really say it was much of anything, and so. As the chill wave thing started happening, people started comparing what I was doing back then to uh, to the chill wave of, of today, some of the artists. And so they just kind of pinned me or coined the name, and, and there it went. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I just I kind of noticed it appearing, too. And I don't know, uh, I think even on Wikipedia it says <laughs> that you are the godfather of chill wave. So someone, <laughs> Is that right? someone put that on there, yeah. I think it's under the chill wave genre page on there. Someone Someone wrote that in. All very <laughs> fitting, all very fitting. Well, thank you. So, Phil, but before we get started here, I mean, tonight we're going to play some of your music and, you know, talk about uh, your music and your influences and much more. Uh, but to kick things off, I'd kind of like to just ask you if you remember, like, the first time you discovered your love for music. I actually do. I always was into records and, and songs and things of that nature, even, even as a kid. In fact, I had teenage sisters who were really into the rock and roll of the time, too, and so... I, I began to like it, but when I actually started enjoying performing was when I was a kid one day, I just got together with a bunch of friends, sang the Gilligan's Island theme, and everybody went, wow, that's cool. And so from then on, I, I loved it. That's great. The Gilligan's Island theme. Yeah. Uh, can, can we get you to sing some of that now? <laughs> don't want to put you on the spot, of course. <laughs> I don't know I'd if like I to see all that. the words, but I will say this. I did the version um, where the professor and Marianne were included. Oh, of course. Uh, there's no other way. Well, uh, I think the first song I'd like to play uh, from you tonight is uh, Rockin' in My Chevy. That's one of the earliest uh, numbers, right, that you have recorded? Yeah, it's actually, um, it was was actually my, my second 45 RPM, my first one, yeah. um, not readily available, but um, it was actually the one that, that went, did the best. I signed a, a record deal at the time mm -hmm. uh, with King Records, and... Uh, it, then it was distributed nationally, and um, you know, of course, disco was starting to come into effect then, and rockabilly was not big on the uh, on the hit list. But I yeah. had a good time with it anyway. We toured quite a bit and went to skating rinks and record stores and lots of things like that. That's great. What year did this come out? Um, it was originally recorded in. Let's see here. It must have been seventy-seven. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, January of seventy-seven. And uh, tell me, who influenced you musically back in those days? Back in the days of rocking my Chevy, I'm, I would, I'm going to have to say Elvis because I was really into the, uh, to the Elvis thing. Right around 77, of course, was the year he died, and he just yeah. went, you know, wild. Everybody 
I mean, all the radio stations were playing Elvis only for a while. No, I'm sure. And it was a, it was a wild time. But my, uh, my other music, my other earlier influences, as a writer especially, would have been um, David Gates of Bread. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did a uh, song called Baby, I'm going to Watch You. And um, <laughs> yep. I realized I could change Baby to uh, the girl that lived across the fence. Name and wham, I'm a songwriter. <laughs> and I thought, okay, okay. And I, yeah. I moved forward with it after that, you know, writing more words than just one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was that girl's name? Uh, Trina, actually. Trina, Trina I'm gonna want you. Trina, Trina I'm gonna need I'm you. A <laughs> do, you still, uh, do you still have contact with Trina? You know, it's, it's funny you say that. Actually, I just got a Facebook message from her um, within the past week. Wow. It's a coincidence, maybe. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, uh, tell me, uh, who influences you now? Is it any different from back then? Well, yeah, I think so. I think so. And, and, uh, as far as artists, I like a lot of the, uh, lot of the modern stuff. I, li- I like a, a lot of the techno sound and, yeah. and music of, of, of that nature. As far as actual particular artists, I, I mean, I, I dig the stuff that uh, Britney Spears used to do on Lady Gaga, as, as well as much rock and roll, too. No, oh, that's quite a uh, wide variety there. And I'll even say that I've got some um, some country favorites as well. Well, that's good. Being in the being in the South, it's it's expected too. <laughs> and required. Yeah. And required, yeah, that's true. So I'm from Tennessee, so I know I know all about that. Yeah. Well, right now I'm going to play a song uh, called Soul. Is that from the Curious album? Uh, yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, that is from Curious. It was a a point where I was about to just give up on everything, and I was trying some alternatives. Yeah, well, I like the music video with with Tommy Robinetti in there as the uh, <laughs> as the devil. Yeah, yeah, Tommy makes a good devil. He really does. You're listening to the heedless rambling of Patrick and his friends, better known as the Patcast Crew. Now, many people out there know you from your television show, The Uncharted Zone, and the videos that you've put up on YouTube. Uh, how did the now officially world-famous Uncharted Zone start? Well, actually, back in the 80s, I had a, uh, an answering machine that, for some crazy reason, probably because of the crazy messages I did, began to gain a following. And um, I utilized that to mainly just have fun with. But before I knew it, I thought, you know... I've got some old 45 RPMs recorded. I could record three more songs, release an album, and use this Catline fame to sell a few. Yeah. And so um, I did that, and it worked real well. I sold a whole bunch of copies of Nine Lives back then. This was in 86. And then I started thinking, you know, there's a lot of great local musicians out there that, that kind of need a boost, that, that maybe, maybe I could promote them a little bit and let them have some success with, with their music like I did. And so I, I decided to create the Uncharted Zone because, you know, of course, these were all uncharted artists, and I did it on Catline. And eventually it evolved into radio when I worked in more radio, and then I brought it to television, and now the Internet. Yeah, that's, that's really great. Yeah, the Internet's definitely uh, become a huge part of the Uncharted Zone. And, uh, of course, I mean, everyone who knows the Uncharted Zone knows Mark Gormley, whose videos have become YouTube sensations. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you meet Mark Gormley? Well, Mark Gormley uh, just called me up one day and says, hey, I'd like to uh, do a music video to one of my songs. I says, well, sure, come on over. He came over. We had a meeting. I listened to his music. In fact, he brought his, um, all of his recordings over, very primitive recordings that he had done through the years. And 
I, of course, put them down on a CD for him just so he could have them. Basically, our relationship just developed from making music video after music video after music video, and, and he continued. But, and, you know, there was not the fame at first. Right. Was, we were just doing the regular UZ thing, you know, making music yeah. video for artists. And uh, I dug his stuff. When, the, when I first heard Little Wings, I was, I was just amazed at the, at the vocals in that thing. And, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. I showed it to several people, and I was very anxious to, to do the music video of that one because I thought it was a natural hit because, you know, there's, there's three reasons why, why someone has success in show business. You're either first, you're either unique, or you're the best. Gormley on that song was so unique, that's, that's what did it. Of course, without you is the one that, that did the best yeah. for him. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. And um, that's the one I, that everyone knows. Right. I, I, I love that song, too. But I, I'm going to have to say Little Wings is my favorite. Oh, it is. Yeah, mine, too. That's why I chose to play that. It's a, it's it's really good. And that's I even I, I like that video maybe a little more than than the Without You video. I don't know. Maybe it was just because Without You has just gotten so much attention that when I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's really, really good. Um, can we expect any new songs from Mark Gormley in the future? Have you talked to him about that? Oh, yeah. I talk to Mark very regular, and um, he's working on stuff now. He's uh, creating songs. That's and uh, So, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It may take a little while because, um, you know, he, he does it as he feels like it. Right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a true artist right there. Oh, I yeah. also want to point out that you've done a music video with Horatio Sands, who's a former cast member of Saturday Night Live. How did that happen? Did he just call you just like Mark Gormley? Well, no, actually, <laughs> um, his people called us. It was, <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> um, actually, that was that was produced or, or, or financed and paid for by uh, Dovecot Records in New York City there. And um, yeah. they um, had a group, an artist, cast spells on their roster. Mm -hmm. it, it started out, you know, we weren't sure what we were going to do. Uh, but eventually, um, the record company came up with the idea to, to use Horatio Sands in the video, you know, lip syncing to the song. Right. And he was already familiar with UZ. So he wanted to do this because he, you know, he thought it might be fun. And, and I got to say that he, he definitely had the feeling and the idea of the quirkiness of the, of the UZ videos because oh, he, was, yeah. he was right there in, in the performance and it showed very well. He did a great job, I thought. And the song is excellent as well. Doing all the math in my head here, you've been at a lot of groundbreaking moments with uh, the music industry over the past, you know, 35-plus years. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. You're talking about when, when they invented recording technology? That <laughs> <laughs> well, not that long ago, but I don't know. It just seems like you've really, you know, like you said, you're supporting local artists. You're really, you know, pushing the way forward. And, you know, I, I feel like your best days are yet to come. I don't think you've really reached your tipping point yet. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm excited about everything that's going on including the resurgence and an interest in my music i mean you know i this is my third album that's coming out soon and uh, to yeah. me it usually takes me um 15 years to do an album and yeah. <laughs> mainly and and i had almost basically wasn't even sure i was going to release another album until the the gormley phenomenon happened and uh, all the new interest and everything began to emerge and i, I just decided at that point that um you know i should there's people asking for it now yeah you <laughs> might as well i mean i'm i'm asking for it brooks is asking for i'm it, asking so. for it <laughs> well thank you so yeah we're uh we're looking forward to that and um back to ratio sands you know speaking of starting out live you and tommy robinetti put up a video last year about uh you guys wanting to host snl <laughs> and then uh i got on facebook and created a fan page for that it didn't quite take off like <laughs> i wanted to but i'm still hopeful that we can get you uh 
in the in the studio 8H someday. Well, you uh, know, somehow, some way. I I would love that. You know, um, actually the 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 video that prompted that that page there was was actually just Tommy and I goofing off. We weren't really serious about it. We never thought about anything like that. We had just seen the uh, Betty White thing happen, and we thought, wow, oh, yeah. you know. I know we're not Betty White or nothing, but, you know, maybe there's hope. <laughs> That's true. You never know. I mean, if Mark Gormley can take off, you know, why can't, why can't this? You know, anything can happen. Like a proper thing of a yo-yo, the podcast comes back. More after this next thing. Bands, singers, songwriters, music fans, and Mark Gormley worshippers. The Uncharted Zone has become a favorite view for fans of Uncharted music around the world. The unhinged Phil Thomas Cat has been hired by musicians, record companies, and corporations to create thousands of music videos. Warning. In very rare cases when viewed, some videos may cause minor bleeding from the ears, muscle cramps in diverse places, ingrown toenails, and abnormal sexual desires. View the Uncharted Zone today. And if you're a musician, call for info about appearing on music TV. Special rates for girls. This is the podcast. We've got Phil live on our show. Why do you hold the vagabond so near and dear to your heart? You know, to make a whole song about it. There's not, there's few things in life that you would maybe make a song about. So there's got to be a reason behind that, right? Yeah, there really is. The first thoughts of vagabond, and the and the first thing that I got to say is I, I never saw the place. It was before my time here. But yeah. I had friends that were older than me, actually that I, um, that I knew back in probably the 70s that were telling me, you know telling me about this cool place that used to be here in the 50s and 60s in Pensacola. And it was, you know, like the Arnolds of, of this area. To me, and it seemed amazing. I mean, he were telling me all sorts of stories about things that happened there and all the fun they had there. And so I decided to research it a bit. Went to the uh, library, found some old phone book ads of it, found some photographs of it. I thought I'd put the video together because I thought it was cool. And if these older people that told me these stories thought it were cool, that, you know, this could get a little local recognition. And so I released this back in uh, probably 97 or so, but it, it didn't take off as well as I wanted it to because I didn't have the technologies then to make the video the way I wanted to. And, so, of course, I did, redid the video years later with, with the green screen and stuff, and so it was a little bit better. But um, the main resurgence happened when um, the Friends of the Sanger Theater here in Pensacola put on a big event um, this past year promoting all the television shows and movies and musics and songs that um, mentioned the Pensacola area, um, generally by name, or were shot here. And Vagabond happened to be a song that some of the producers of this event picked up on, and it was added to the movie. And I, along with a lot of other local artists, performed it there on the Sanger Theater stage. And after that, it really resurgenced again quite a bit, and we sold quite a few downloads of it. Well, that's great. Maybe maybe you should reopen this vagabond place and uh, you know bring some life back into it. <laughs> reopen the vagabond. Now that's an interesting thought. I tell you where I'd rather reopen is the old 2001 nightclub that was here back in the 80s. I had some fun there myself, and I do remember that a little bit, even though it was the 80s. That's true. And isn't that what the Enterprise Room is about? Yes, it is actually. Uh, that's what I thought I remember reading. Well, if you yeah. ever open up either of those places, you can count me in on being there, you know, for the opening night. Opening night, of course. That's well, what cool. I'm going to hold you to that, Brooks. <laughs> yeah, please do. We're going to jump right into another segment right now called Fan Questions. We ask you on our website, our Facebook, and our Twitter, all our social media outlets, uh, to send in your questions for Phil Thomas Cat. Brooks, I'm going to let you take over this one. 
Well, we kind of already hit on this, but Carlos Veras asked, what's the story behind Vagabond, and why does it hold such a special place in your heart? But this, we'll touch on the second part here. He had some insight, maybe, in thinking that you lost your virginity there as a Phil Thomas Cub. <laughs> Phil Thomas Cub. <laughs> no, no, actually, um, it did not happen at the Vagabond. That was before I was around, even. So, uh, oh, of course, Vagabond, yeah. to me, is just a, a legend that I heard from the, um, the elders. Next question by Gene Goodrich. They ask, how do you feel being the interviewee? Well, it's 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 is a turn of events because I've done a lot of interviews through the years, but over um in more recent times I've done less interviews and pass that on to other people. I, actually, I kind of like it. We're talking about me. This is fun. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, so go down to history for sure. Uh, our next question, Errol Laurie asks, how how did you get started, and and what was the first thing that put you on the map as the cat? Hmm. Well, I actually started recording 45 RPMs, and I, I was running around the radio stations like a Loretta Lynn, trying to get them played. And yeah. I began to uh, tour skating rinks a little bit. And when I started doing that, the rocking of my Chevy thing really started picking up. And I got some T-shirts printed, and um, those things started showing up everywhere all over the, uh, the region where I was doing these uh, little events at. And I think that was my first brush with fame because I actually signed my first autographs then. Zombie Liz asks, have you ever cultivated that trademark air of suave intrepidity? And who is your style icon? <laughs> hmm. Style icon. I guess I can answer that part. The other one, I'm not sure. Actually, I, I've always liked the what I call the cool guys, you know, people like Dean Martin and, and Elvis and, you know, pe people of that nature. I just thought they were kind of, kind of cool and kind of tough. And I, that, that's kind of where I, uh, I guess I picked up some of those traits from, from those legends. Well, Scott Cobble asks, what's the richest alternative meat you've ever tasted? And we, we know you have a great palate for, you know, alternative meats. You and Tommy there share that passion together. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to stick with um, Embryo of Octopus. It definitely was the richest, and um, chances are I won't try it again. I don't think so. Your reaction in that video is priceless. I urge our listeners to look that one up on, uh, <laughs> on YouTube there. Oh, most definitely. Well, uh, Zach Attack asks, uh, what kind of mark do you wish to leave on this world as a result of your talents and works? You know, that, that's hard to say. I, I really just want to to be part of you know, entertainment history because I enjoy the entertainment industry so much. I can remember when I was young, I used to, to read through my uh, Rock On books and my Billboard Top 40 books and just dream that, that one day maybe there would be a little Phil Thomas cat listing. And, and the, the further I go, I'm, I'm hoping that's becoming a little more likely. It's, you never know. It's great. You'll, I think you'll have a great legacy to leave. Um, now back to the back to the meat question. Jordan Siren asked, "Do you have any advice for an up and coming merchant of exotic meats?" That might be a question for Tommy Robinetti. <laughs> well, I'm sure. Um, hmm. For Maybe up you can just you know, give us a quick tip on behalf of Tommy. That's a tough one. Yeah, it really is. Let me just say this: Try to make sure what you're selling or what you're cooking is licensed to be used in the geographical location that you're in. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good answer. Yeah, I'll take that one to heart for sure. Kristen McCrope asks, how much time do you spend on your hair every day? 
Well, actually, it's according to whether I'm going on camera or not. If I'm going on camera, more time. But I wouldn't say enormous amounts because, uh, you know, a little comb, a little spray, it's there. That's all you need, a little comb and a little spray. Yeah, well, a, a wise guy once said to me, you know, you just get your hands a little wet and rub it in there. That's all he said. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll wrap up the fan question segment, except that uh, since I'm a fan, I'd like to ask just a few uh, questions. You know, we know you as Phil Thomas Cat, the entertainer, but we don't know a whole lot else. But uh, I was wondering, besides your music, making music and things of that nature, what are your other favorite hobbies? Well, I enjoy, actually, um, Star Trek a lot. It, yeah. it's, 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 um, almost to the point of religion because I, I believe in the Gene Roddenberry philosophy of an optimistic view of the future so much yeah. that, that I, uh, really enjoy all the programming of that. So that's, that's gotta be one of my hobbies. I enjoy other science fiction. I dig comedy and, um, I like to look at pretty girls. Who does it? I'd also like to know what's your favorite movie of all time. Back to the Future Trilogy. There we go. That's a good, that's a that's great what, one. That's what I like yeah. to hear myself. <laughs> yeah, that is a, that is a great one. Brooks, do you have any questions? I do. Well, we're going to go, you know, keep it along the entertainment. I think we're all interested in that, you know, industry. Uh, what's your favorite, you know, TV series, recent or, uh, you know, classic? You can go either way. Well, I'm going to have to say that Happy Days was one of my favorites back in the day. I've enjoyed it, and I've watched them all over through the years a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a big fan of the sitcom. If the sitcom can make me laugh, I enjoy that a lot. But I'm also a big fan of... Uh, Sci-fi, as long as it's fairly optimistic. I don't like a bunch of doomsday stuff, but uh, comedy, sci-fi, and um, that, that would probably be it. That's great. Any other questions? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we don't want to jump on the bandwagon here, but we might as well. Well, what are your thoughts on this Charlie Sheen guy? I mean, you're a famous icon, and you're not running around acting like he is. <laughs> Or are you? Well, back in the 80s, maybe, yeah. <laughs> you were the original Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't go quite back that far. <laughs> but I did, have, I did have some fun back in the 80s, that's for sure. But as, as far as well, my that, thoughts on Charlie Sheen. It was a different Sheen, time, you know. Yeah, it was. Accepted. It was. And I didn't drive. I took a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. And uh, Phil, how's the new album Declawed coming along? Oh, it's coming along really good. I've, I've got, I guess you'd have to say one and a half songs to do. Um, I'm working on one from, you know, the real early stages of it. But mm -hmm. one song, I've just got to do a little bit of guitar parts to it, and um, it'll be ready to roll. And then um, I'm saying within the next few weeks, I'll be ready to release this thing. Oh, great. We can't wait. Uh, and when can we expect the music video for The Enterprise Room? I really dig that song. I'm expecting The Enterprise Room within, within the next few weeks as well. What my hopes are is to release the Declawed album at the same time that I release the um, Enterprise Room music video. All I lack is shooting a drummer and a couple more pretty girls, and I'll be through. Well, me and Brooks aren't pretty girls, but uh, we'll come down and uh, find our way and make our way into that video somehow. Well, come on down. You're more than welcome <laughs> to join me at the Enterprise Room. Yeah, yeah you got, that'd be great. you got a busy couple weeks on your hands, but you know we'll help out if, you, if we can. <laughs> or you, you can fly. You can fly up here to premiere it for you. You can stay with us for a couple of weeks and tour around the city. Yeah. That sounds. That sounds fun. It would be. It would be. Well, right now we're going to close with uh, with a song, uh, "The Enterprise Room," that we were just talking about. And I just want to thank you again, Phil, for joining us today on the Cat Cast. And we hope we can have you back again sometime soon. Uh, anytime, guys. I've really enjoyed this thing. Yeah. All right. That should do it. Okay, man. That's cool.